Hello, welcome to the Don't Look Down podcast. I'm Emily Taylor and today you find me recording this intro from my kitchen. I am currently homeschooling uh, my seven-year-old daughter due to um, this awful virus. So um, we are homeschooling her and I also have a newborn son. So if you hear them in the background, that'll be why. So tough times, but we'll get through it. Today, we are going to be um, hearing from the strong-minded, brave and lovely man, Doug Richards. And he shares with us his incredible journey through running, something that many of us participate in and many of us see on a daily basis. Doug began his running journey in his early 30s, although this particular hobby did not come easy to him. He is going to be telling us stories of him competing in gruelling races across some of the world's toughest terrains, including sort of snow and ice. And that also includes major events on all seven of the Earth's continents. He's an incredible man. He has also found the time to publish two books, which he'll be telling us about. But the main thing here that we are going to be discussing is the benefits of exercise and actually getting outdoors, something that we should all do and has a massive benefit, both physically and our mental health and well-being. So enjoy this because I was so pleased to have met him. He certainly will get you motivated and want to start running. about you through the media channels in Redditch and around Redditch and obviously through Harriet um, and Lisa telling me about your books that you've published. So um, what I wanted to talk to you about today was the benefits of exercising, um, getting to know yourself in your own mind and how to self-motivate, because I think people find that quite difficult. Mm, indeed, yeah. Um, so you've had an amazing journey through exercise, with it being running. Um, so um, it's going to be a very inspiring and intriguing chat for me, especially because I'm quite big on exercise and think that it helps with your mind. Yeah. So um, I always start on a bit of a positive and... That is, um, what three things are you most grateful for in life? Other than the obvious, which would be your friends and your family. Do you know of what three things that you're sort of most grateful for in life? My health, I suppose. My, yeah. yeah my, my, my physical health. Um, 
my mental well-being. I mean, you know, I, I've had struggles with that, but I'm pleased that I'm able to exert much more control over it now. Mm. Um, and that's important to me. And just my home, my friends, you know, I just have such a, a great circle of friends around me that I can turn to. Yeah. So, although I live on my own, I don't ever feel alone. Oh, that's a wonderful feeling. Yeah. No, it's it's, nice it's, to I know there's friends. always friends that I can call at any time, really, to... Comforting. Yeah. Yeah, and you know who your friends are as well, don't you? You get oh, to find yes. who the real friends are through... Yes, indeed. ...through your life and through your journey, definitely, and who you want around you, I guess, and who you don't want around you. Yes. Um, so that's a good position to be in. And I think health has definitely got to be up there because you take it for granted so you, much, you? Don't do you do so much, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So... You haven't lost your Brighton accent at all. No, um, no. Tell us of your early life in Brighton. Okay, well, I, I was born in Brighton. Um, I was the eldest of three children, so I have a sister and, and a brother. Um, we were a very working class family. Mm. We never had much money, but there was always enough to feed us and to clothe us and to give us Christmas presents. So, so we always got by. My dad worked on the railways. Oh, right, um, okay. He, he worked um, in, in what were then the Pullman cars. Oh, wow. Um, so, and, and he really loved that job. Later on, they sort of became Buffy cars and less like restaurants, if you like. Yeah. But yeah, we, I had a very good family upbringing. Mm. Um, and then, well, school, um, I went, I, I passed my 11 plus, yep. I went on to grammar school um, oh, and, and really I was the sort of first person in, in the wider family to do that. So, oh brilliant. Um, my other sort of cousins and everything so, um, so yeah that, that was quite an achievement so I enjoyed my time at grammar school and um, I suppose it eventually, educationally wise, I sort of drifted towards science. That was always going to be my main interest. And was you all, did you always have an interest in science, even at school as, or as a young Yes, boy? no, I, I, I knew science was more important to me than any of the yeah. sort of other subjects that you had to study. So yeah. um, that was your si area. Science was my area and I used to sort of muck around with a chemistry set at home and things yeah. like that and make horrible smells and upset Oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> was you one of those that got frogs out the garden and experimented and stuff? Yes, yes, brilliant. yes. Brilliant. So it was more the chemistry yes, with biology or...? Um, not really at that stage, actually. Um, I had a very unusual scientific career. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you about it. Um, I did maths, chemistry and physics at A-level. And um, in the very first term of A-level, um, I got acute appendicitis. Oh, gosh. So I was rushed into hospital had my appendix taken out. And in those days, it was really quite major surgery. Yes. I mean, these days, they do it sort of for a key. Well, it's willy-nilly now, isn't it? But back then, it was yeah. a big, big deal. Um, so, effectively, I, I lost almost the first half term of my mm -hmm. A-levels because I was in hospital for 10 days and then, you know, several weeks recuperating. It's a long time, isn't um, it? I lost a lot. Perhaps I didn't work hard enough at trying to catch up. <laughs> um, but whatever happened, when I got 
to the end of the A-levels and took the exams, I've failed all three, maths, chemistry and physics. Okay. Um, so I thought, okay, um, discussed it with mum and dad, I'll get a job for a year mm. um, and then um, retake them because I'd been offered a place at Leeds University to do fuel science. Okay. Which is sort of more chemistry than anything right. else. So I went to what was then called the Labour Exchange, um, asked if they had any laboratory jobs, and they pointed me to this one in a hospital laboratory in Brighton. Right. So I went Close along. Close to home then. Yeah, had an interview, was offered the job, so I thought that suit me fine for a year, and then I can sort of redo my A-levels and mm. just start university a year later. But of course, as soon as I started the job, I realised I, I really, really liked it. Yeah, that was it. Really it was instant. And straight away, yeah. you know, they said, well, you can do sort of professional exams rather than sort of do your A-levels again. Oh, you can go through professional exams. And so I stayed there basically for just over 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, working in a hospital laboratory, worked my way up. Um, I did a, a number of professional exams. Um, then um, I began to get interested in research mm. and my boss also had um, a, a job at the um, University of Sussex. Okay. Um, he, he was able to get me a, a part-time PhD position at Sussex, so I was working full-time, um, but also sort of doing research in part-time as well. So research in, in what? In, strangely enough, my, um, the PhD w was on depression. Oh, wow, okay. It was on the biochemistry of depression. We had numerous tests available to us to test for liver disease, kidney disease, yeah. lung disease, whatever. Um, but there was never really anything there that you could test someone to see if they were depressed or anxious. No, you, like, yeah, you, you can't, There is can a, a blood test for it. And so it was looking at... Um, it was looking at the sort of underlying biochemistry of depressive illness. So at that stage... Um, yeah, I, I was meeting and working with a, a, a lot of psychiatrists. Um, Very interesting. And eventually, yeah, after seven years, I, I managed to produce my thesis and um, got a PhD. So I never did get a first degree at university, but I ended up with a PhD, so I became Dr Richards. That's fantastic. I mean, So it just shows that, yeah, not all careers follow the same they don't the do part. they they don't um, yeah and i find that fascinatingly interesting you know um i didn't really pass any exams at school um but was always interested in talking and got into sales and you know sometimes it's it's when you find your field and you become natural at it that you know you can excel in other areas you don't always have to follow the protocol i suppose that, that's right um, so that must have been um, a big sort of achievement. Um, so going back to your younger days with regards to sports, how did, was you a sporty lad? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I liked sport. Um, the six years between me and my brother and, yeah. um, we used to spend a lot of time in the parks. Yes. Um, Playing football and cricket, but we had to, yeah that needed to be a, a ball involved. Right. Um, played a little bit of tennis at school, but not very much. Mm. Um, but running was just not for me. I, I I just couldn't get on with it. I didn't understand the point of just running for the sake of running. Um, 
One of the stories I like to tell is that in the uh, third year of grammar school, mm. um, we had to join the um, combined cadet force. Okay. So you could either join army, navy or air force. And I chose to join the army and, and in particular I chose to um, join the signal section of the army. Mm. And the only reason I did that was that we were the only people in the whole school who were excused the annual cross-country run. <laughs> <laughs> And little did you know Because then. we had our radios <laughs> on our backs and of we had course, to radio yeah. in who was in the lead or who'd fallen over. Um, we were the only people excuse the run. So that's the sort of lengths I would go to to avoid To running. avoid running. Yeah, so okay. I just didn't see the point of it. So what was it that inspired you to start running and, and what age was you? Right, I, I was probably about 33, 34 and I can remember the exact day it happened. Okay. Um, it was early 1980s and it was at the time, around the time that the first London Marathon had been on. Yeah. And um, I'd watched it on the telly and up until then marathon runners had just been sort of superhuman beings. Um, yeah, that's how I and, see them. <laughs> and then you watched it on the telly yeah. and you, know, you saw ordinary people running a marathon. And dressed up in And that sort of, you know triggered it but the the actual trigger was my son Chris who was four at the time mm. had a nightmare um, I was downstairs watching telly um, he had a nightmare I rushed up the stairs uh, to calm him down by the time I got to the top of the stairs I was puffing and blowing you know mm. I could hardly speak to him and I thought this is ridiculous I'm in so you felt early 30s yeah. yeah and I can't even run up a flight of stairs without mm. getting out of breath so once I calmed him down, I said, I'm going to go out for a, a one mile run tomorrow morning. And Just I did. I, I, did. I got up the next morning, went up for a one mile run. I, I ran all the way. I collapsed when I came. I yeah. went back to bed. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but that was the beginning. That was the trigger. That was, yeah. that was the catalyst. That, that was the start. That nightmare of Chris's was the one that actually made me think, I'm going to go for a run. Mm. Well, I, I, I can remember um, going for a run around the Arrow Valley Lake. Um, as I said earlier to you, I was always a sprinter, never a long distance runner. And right. I went with my brother and we're quite competitive. Um, and we did the one lap and I thought, I'm struggling here. I'm really struggling. And he went for a second lap. And in my head, I was thinking, I oh, know I can't do it because I'm out of puff, <laughs> but I can't let myself down because my brother's, you know, striding along. And yeah, I was in a bad way right. and it really put me off. Um, so it's, I do find it intriguing. So you'd gone from doing that one mile and then what happened? Did you, did you continue it or did you think that's it or? No, no, I, I, I did definitely continue. Um, I still had this sort of thought that maybe one day I could run a marathon. Um, so that one mile became two miles and became three miles. And I, I realized I was actually enjoying, you know, mm. actually enjoying just going out running, um, just away from the sort of stresses of work or family yeah. life or whatever, just to go out for an hour Mm. and just run freely yeah um, my and I've gradually built up the distance and mm. I think it was about 15 to 18 months after that first one mile run that I did run a marathon 
A full marathon. A full marathon. Wow. Yeah. So, it was so you don't do things by halves, then, do you? <laughs> no. <we're... laughs> I mean, some people have done that journey even quicker than me. Some of my friends have done yeah. it in less than a year. Um, Normally, but, people start with sort of you know like half marathons. My, my well, husband I did, did. Do it in in between. I did some sort of ten k's yeah. and then a half marathon and gradually built it up. But it didn't. And take... the full marathon was that um, at, at home, still in Brighton. That was in Southampton. My first yeah. road marathon was in Southampton, um, and I, and I did a couple of other marathons around that time as well. Oh wow! So that was it. You got the bug. You I've, found I've got the something. bug, yes, yeah. Um, and once I'd done the marathon, then I thought, well, yeah, maybe I could go further than the marathon. Um, and so the longest single run I've ever done it was actually 80 miles. 80? Yeah, wow. like along the South Downs Way, and that was during that period. Um, I did it with my brother-in-law, um, and it was a single race of 80 miles. So. Yeah. So, because for the record, Doug's published two books in between these running running marathons, just for um, the listener's point of view. And I read in part of the book that you did have a running partner. Yes. At the start, was that your brother-in-law? That was my brother-in-law who yeah. I ran with. Um, so you yes. bounced off each other. And so, you... Yeah, we, we helped each other and yeah, we ran together and we, we ran this 80 mile race together. So with your family, obviously you said you, your son Chris, he yes. was four at the time. Did, you've got a daughter as well? I've got a daughter as well who's three years older than that. Okay. Um, so, um, yes. Um, so, so what was sort of um, family life like, like for you? Did, did they sort of look up to you as, you know, your dad's a runner, we want to do that as well? Did you encourage your children to start um, running I, I did. I, I, I did encourage my children. Uh, family life was good at the time. Yeah. Um, Chris, Chris tried sort of a, a few shorter runs with me. Mm. Angela wasn't quite so keen at the time, although in later life she has also caught the bug now. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is lovely to see. Yeah, well, you've obviously set an example for them both, haven't you? So, yes, yeah. Okay, so um, was there ever sort of points that stopped you running, the sort of hurdles or life circumstances? Yeah, well, life got in the way. Yeah, as it does. <laughs> um, as it does, yes. Um, shortly after I did this 80-mile race, mm. in, in fact, the following year... Um, I decided that I wanted to do it again. Yes. Um, um, but sadly, in the lead up to it, um, I started to have problems with the marriage. Um, and um, if eventually, you know, it was easier just to, to part company. Mm. With, with How long had you been married for? We've been married for 13 years. Mm, that's um, hard. But it, 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 it was a very, very difficult time. Mm. Um, but... Um, we parted on good terms, we're still good friends, um, I, nice I mean it's hear. nice, but, but that, um, the circumstances of, of the um, breaking up mm. were, were for me two things, one was um, I had to leave the job that I loved in, in the hospital laboratory because there were oh. sort of work situations involved and, and so I had to sort of look for work elsewhere. That's sad. Um, but also, um, I had I kept custody of Angela and Chris. So that's a um, big role in itself. Isn't so it? yeah. So really, from that point for the next maybe 
eight years or so, I did very, very little running because obviously having sort of two children, two young children, um, and I eventually got back into science and scientific research. That was my next question, actually. Obviously, if you had to leave your job because of an, you know, unforeseen circumstances yes. and an atmosphere which wasn't good for you to be around, um, and then obviously looking after, you know, two children, that must have, that must have made you you know, have some dark times, really. Indeed it did. I mean, this was, as I said earlier, my, my PhD topic was the biochemistry of depressive illness. And, mm, and then, at the time I wrote it, I, I'd never actually suffered from or it. Or experienced and it. And now, all of a sudden, with all these problems, um, I, I did become very, very depressed. Did you recognise it yourself? Oh, yes. I, I mean, you knew. I, I, I knew because... Um, because of what I'd studied, you know, I'd been, in a way, my PhD had prepared me, in mm. a way I'd already sort of talked to some psychiatrists about the sort of problems people face, and now it, it was me mm. um, who was facing it. So, so yeah, it, yeah it, it was a very, very challenging time. I can imagine, yeah. Um, and, and sort of running had to take... And, uh, and I think when you've gone from... Um, exercising and being comfortable because exercising does so much for your mind as well yeah, as absolutely. your mental well-being mm. and your physical to then be in a situation where you you can't physically find the time and you're having bouts of depression it's it, it can make you feel worse i've been in a similar situation myself i do martial arts and had to have a break due to feeling poorly and it made me feel worse yeah. because you're frustrated that you can't do it or find the time. Yes, you are. Um, and you can just get into a bit of a downward spiral. So at what did you seek help for the bouts of depression that you that Yes, you were I, I with? went to my doctors. I was Good. eventually given medication. I was on medication for quite a long time. Um, I also got quite a lot of benefits from hypnotherapy. Oh, brilliant. Um, I was recommended to go to a hypnotherapist who sort of really helped me come to terms with the many, many changes that were going on in my life. You mm. know, suddenly everything was completely different. Yeah, it's like your um, world gets turned upside down. Life, mm. Yeah, um, I'd spent, after leaving the hospital job, I'd spent two or three years in... in um, selling insurance, which really oh, wasn't gosh. me. <laughs> Big change but, then, but it, roles. it was really the only sort of, and it was, um, yeah, it wasn't a salaried position, so it depended on how much you sold, yeah. how much you earned, which was obviously challenging with More keeping pressure the children. More pressure as well, Because yeah. um, my daughter was at, um, had won a scholarship for a fee-paying school. Okay. So I had to find one-third of the fees, so that was quite a challenge as well. Mm. To, um, uh, but I'd imagine then, you did it. Amongst it all, you strike me as a very strong-minded person, despite yes, probably I mean, your uh, own inner, you know, struggles that you was going through. Yes. I, I can still imagine that you found the strength to. Yes, I mean, do at, that. at that stage, it, everything was making sure that Andrew and Chris were all the right children. and we're, yeah. were going to get on okay, and that I could sort of support them as much as I could. Um, I eventually left the insurance because it just wasn't me. No. Um, it was the early days of PCs and computing, so I took a few courses on computing. Mm. Um, I eventually joined a small company where I lived in Sussex in 
Peace Haven, mm. where I was writing some software. Okay. Um, and then one day I went home for lunch. It was near my house, so I went home for lunch, and the answer phone light was flashing, and um, it was a chap called Professor Gerald Curzon from London, um, and. I knew of him because he, I quoted a lot of his work in my PhD. Oh wow, okay. And he'd been visiting some other lab and he'd actually picked up, I hadn't applied to him for work, but he'd picked up my CV and I had the sort of skills that he was looking for for wow. this project up in London. So, so I went up in Lon to London to meet him, I was offered the job and this was sort of pure research rather than in a sort of hospital laboratory. So finally, after so that was yeah. And just, how long had it been since the marriage breakdown, and then probably about uh, four years in total. Yeah. I was probably out of sight. So you must have get... felt like finally a bit of a break. I've got here. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, it presented its own challenges because obviously the job was in London and my right. children were still at school in Sussex. So yeah. yeah, I had to sort of arrange childminders and things. I mean, obviously my ex-wife sort of helped out whenever she could. Mm. Um, but but it was difficult because I was commuting, commuting up and down so the days were very long I'd leave early morning you know get back very late but did you enjoy the job I enjoyed the job yes yeah. um, it, it was initially it was for three years okay um, so I knew that all right I've got money for three years um, and then when I was coming towards the end the School of Pharmacy, which was just down the road from where I was working, mm. I, I heard from them that they had another similar position for one year. So yep. when the three years ended, I went into this one-year job and then we wrote a grant application um, for another two years. So all the time I was sort of getting a bit more yeah. certainty back in my life. Oh. And eventually um, my boss in London announced to me one day that he was um, moving up to the University of Birmingham okay. and asked me if I'd like to go up there with him. Mm. Um, and, and it was couldn't have been better timed really because Angela was had just done her A-levels and was about to go off to university. Um, and Chris had always wanted to join the RAF. Um, oh, and he was coming to the end of his school career and was about to sort of sign up for the RAF so yeah they, you were, they you were, were both have been yeah. leaving home so it, it fell really perfectly for me um, and that's how you came to the Midlands and that's how I came to the Midlands in 1996 1996 so from Birmingham you obviously live in Redditch yes how did you come to live in in Redditch from Birmingham I well, once I knew I was going to work in Birmingham, I mm. travelled up here a couple of times just looking round at properties. Yeah. Um, and Redditch just appealed to me. I, I think I hadn't really restarted the run in them, but just the fact yeah. that it was so green and so many trees and everything. I looked at a few places around Birmingham. I didn't want to live in the city. No. I'm not a city person. Not normal. I wanted to be near the countryside and, mm. and Redditch looked green and, and eventually I found a... Yeah, a house that was just right for me. Perfect, yeah. Um, a lot of people sort of 
slate redditch really but it is so green oh it, how yeah. many woods have we got i mean the places you can run we're, we're quite blessed really oh I, absolutely i, I mean, mean yeah i've been here well, over 20 years and i still discover new pathways and things all the time i mean it, it's just a, a, a lovely place yeah I agree. I've lived in Redditch my whole life, so obviously I'm biased. But you do get people that are like, oh, no, I don't want to live in Redditch. But oh, I like it. It's a good town. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is right by the countryside. I think we're quite blessed. So going back to the running, obviously you've got aspects of your life sorted out. Um, was you still on medication? For, were you still suffering with depression? Or would you say that you were I, managing it? I, I was um, managing it better. Yeah. Um, I, I, I had a few relapses, if you like. Yeah. Um, so, so through the sort of transition, yeah, from when it first started, mm. I would sort of come off the medication. Then maybe a year later, I'd have to go back because yeah. I was not quite right. And with so many changes going on. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. But it was it was getting better. Good. Because that's something that I wanted to ask you is how you rely on your own mind, really, to sort of self-motivate yourself. I mean, I think that medication is a good thing for people to take when they're suffering with depression or anxiety or panic attacks or yes. whatever it is that they're suffering from. I think medication is a good thing. But whether you'd want to be on it for the rest of your life... Um, some people need to be. Yeah. I'm not against medication, but I think no. that um, you said earlier, um, I don't think you're on medication now. I am now. Oh, you yeah, still yeah. are? So, I mean, I think I probably will be one of those who will be on it for the yeah. rest of my life. I mean, because I've had a number of relapses, I think these days my problems are, are much more anxiety than depression. Right. Um, I haven't really felt depressed. Yeah. For quite a number of years. And there I, is a difference between but, the two. Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. But sort of anxiety now and again rears its ugly head. Yeah, and you never and know when it's going to come on with anxiety. Well, that, that's, being... and it comes on at the most awkward, unexpected it doesn't it? times. Yeah, so. where you can't speak or you start, yeah, whereas depression, you, you know, it's, I call it that dark cloud, you start to see it descend. Yes, yeah. You can feel it coming on, but with yeah. anxiety, it's it's just more unexpected, isn't That's it? That's right. But with, obviously, the running, you know, there still is an element of, of motivating yourself, getting to know your own mind to think, Absolutely. yeah... I'm going to be my own warrior and I'm going to get back out there and I'm going to start running because that's hard to do, you know, when you've suffered with, with relapses of depression and yes, different is, hurdles yeah. and changes and you've moved, you know, your whole life really, haven't you, from Brighton, which you've known, to a new place, you know, managing being a father and yes. all those aspects. So what was it that sort of got you back into the running again? I think once I came, I mean, I did a little bit of running when I was working in London. Mm. Um, we, we were sort of in central London. We weren't far from Regent's Park. So occasionally a few of us would go for a little run around Regent's Park at lunchtime. Mm. And that, yeah, I realised then that I still quite enjoy this. You know, it's not actually sort of making me feel better about myself. And so when I came up to Birmingham, I obviously no longer had the responsibility of the children. Yeah. Um, yeah, then I had more time to myself um, and started to pick up the running and 
really from there it just hasn't stopped no, no. how <laughs> um, old are you now Doug if you don't I'm really 71 now 71 yeah and it's been an incredible journey because obviously it's taken you all over the world yes indeed. Um, and there's so many questions but where was your first race abroad my first race abroad was actually during the period when the marriage was in difficulties. Oh, okay. So uh, that early on then. Yes, okay. yeah. We actually decided um, to have a holiday in America as a family, just to see if we could sort of patch things up. Right. But in the end, it didn't work out, but we still had a fantastic holiday. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> we, we arrived at a hotel in Utah near Bryce Canyon in Utah and that, uh, on the reception desk of the hotel as we booked in was this leaflet saying that there was a five mile race around the rim of the canyon the next it's day. It's like it's always been there That's sort of right. in the background saying, Doug, so, you're meant yeah, to run. <laughs> Jill, my ex-wife said, well, what, why don't you do it? Yeah, I said, well, I haven't run for ages, but um, yeah, I'll do it. And I did do it and it was just absolutely wonderful mm. and, and in a way that single run um, I, I think inspired me to want to run in more out of the out of the world places if you know what I mean that was, rather, that was, rather than yeah. just doing city marathons you know running along city streets to actually go out into the wilds experience and the run freely and it was just such beautiful scenery so mm. so that was my actual first overseas run so that was some time so you sitting there saying that oh, I'm a big fan of Forrest Gump, and right. obviously when you said that, it, that's the first thing that sprung to mind was obviously how he ran and the scenery mm. and just so many different parts of it. I just don't think you could beat that really. No. Um, experiencing different sort of countries and places that you must have seen. Is there a particular country that you've run in that really is memorable to you? They're all memorable for different reasons. Yeah. I mean, I, I've yeah run in so many different places now. I think I mean if 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 I had to pick a favourite, it would be Antarctica. Wow. Okay. Because I ran there last year. Yes. Um, and that was my my seventh and final continent. Um, but the whole trip, not just running in Antarctica, but the wildlife and everything there. Mm. Um, the sea journey, you know, across the Southern Ocean. Um, Amazing. In a fairly small ship, you know, being thrown around in quite stormy seas. The whole experience was was just fantastic. The and, journey there. And Antarctica yeah. itself, it is almost like a different planet. You know, it just, Can't imagine. it's not like anywhere else I've ever visited. Really? So. Did you see much wildlife? Oh, there? so much. Um, I had possibly one, well, it's definitely one of the most memorable experiences of my life it was not actually while we were running, but on, on one day, we, because our, we were on a Russian research ship. Right. But obviously, there's nowhere in Antarctica for it to tie up. There are no sort of keys or no. anything. <laughs> so it just has to drop anchor in the middle of the water. So when we're going ashore or we're moving around, we're going around in these big rubber dinghies with an outboard motor. Wow. So we have to sort of climb down the ladder down the side of the ship into these um, dinghies. And we were out one day and um, 
two humpback whales mm. came and literally introduced themselves to us. Oh, and yeah, maybe our boats were 15 feet long and each of these whales were 40 feet long. And they could so easily have flipped us into the water, mm. but they, they didn't and they just was close enough to touch and they just kept coming out of the water and making a variety of sounds rolling on their back. Oh, wow. It, it was just, it lasted for about 15 minutes and, and yeah, I, I, I still that think of that minutes, time. And yeah. I, you yeah. just can't take that back, can you? As no, it's like, like the way you describe that is what we watch on, on like planet Earth. That's David right, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was a To experience and see it, when we see it on television, it's wow, but uh, yeah. uh, to have seen it in real life no, and that close that, that must just be, fantastic, that yeah. would just, I'd love that. I love wildlife yeah. um, and oh, animals. I I've got so much admiration and respect for David Attenborough and what he's oh, done. Oh, so, absolutely, yeah. Antarctica's... Wow, I can see you beaming when you're, you're talking oh, about it. Oh yeah, I, I do so. think when I think of that moment, yeah. I mean, it was just one of the most amazing moments because we were so, so vulnerable and yet they were so gentle and obviously yeah. trying to communicate. Beautiful moment. Just absolutely, yeah. So as far as running in Antarctica, how does that work? <laughs> it's quite cold. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not good in the cold. Um, yes, no. Um, it, it, it was a lapped course on, on King George Island. Okay. So we ran sort of circular laps um, on, on King George Island. It, it started in quite a ferocious blizzard and then the wow. temperature plummeted and the wind blew up. So it was sort of typical Antarctic conditions, but it, it was just a, a great experience. Mm. Because of the blizzard at the start, there was quite a lot of freshly fallen snow underfoot oh, right, and you okay. actually get good grip on that mm. um, later on when the snow stopped and it sort of really started to freeze up and it's a, a lot more slippery um, but it was just beautiful to run like that and and you have you know wildlife you have penguins alongside oh, the route amazing. and leopard seals so um, you've run seven continents i've run on all seven antarctica yeah. was my seventh year okay amazing I mean, you know, how many people get to sit well, there and say that? There are, apparently there are less than a thousand people worldwide. Really? Who've run at least a half marathon on all seven continents. Um, and more people have climbed Mount Everest than have done that. Yes. So, so it, it is something I'm very proud of. You can see I've got my seven continents I can, I noticed on. when you came in. So do, um, do you win any awards for that or you, any acknowledgements? Well, you got, um, I mean, at the end of Antarctica, you, you get a medal for the Antarctica half marathon. Wow. Um, and then a couple of days later, there was a special presentation on the boat where I was given my seven continents medal because you get a special medal when you've completed yeah. the seven continents that's something you're going to treasure forever isn't it oh absolutely yeah. yeah i've got well done that's something to be so proud of so for people that are sort of did you ever think when you did that first mile that that you would be doing oh. this i mean the journey that you've come on no it, it's I, I often think about that yeah um, I mean, I, I, I do quite a lot of talks about my running experiences okay. to a variety of groups. Um, and the thing I usually end on is, uh, you know, if, if you grab me by the shoulders at the end of that first one mile run when Chris had his nightmare yeah. and said, 
yeah, this is going to lead to you running on all seven continents and goodness knows what else, so many adventures. I, I mean, I just would never have believed it. Mm. Um, Amazing. So but, you do a lot of talks and you I imagine that you're an inspiration to a lot of, you know, young people as well as yeah, no, people I do. that are starting I mean, late I've, in life. I've recently given a couple of talks to primary schools, yeah, to yeah. four to nine-year-olds. Yeah. Um, obviously, you give a different sort of talk, focusing on the geography and the animal, the wildlife that lived there. Yeah, um, it's fascinating, I, isn't it? It's not just about to, running and keeping keeping fit. It's you know your well-being and the yes, mental state. Yes, no. Of I it. mean, a lot of the adult groups, yeah, that people would wouldn't dream of running or maybe now just can't run anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but they still love the talks and to hear about them because of the sort of mental well-being. And okay, running is my passion, but they may have a completely different passion in their mm -hmm. life. And you know, if you push yourself hard enough in whatever you love doing, um, it's just amazing what you can experience. And achieve, and you've yeah, done just absolutely. that. Absolutely. So, a question about the books. Because right. in between all of this, and you've been a very busy man, yeah. you've managed to publish two successful books. Yes. So the first one, um, Running Hot and Cold, um, Where Will Your Journey Take You? So that was the first book. And then the second one is Can We Run With You, Grandfather? And that's the, the seven continents of the seven decades. That's right, yeah. So tell us... And elaborate about your books and what made you think right i'm going to sit here and i'm going to write a book because i think it's brilliant that you've done it yeah um running hot and cold um came about largely but when i when i retired um like most people when you retire that oh gosh how am i going to fill my time <laughs> um Big question that, isn't it? It, it is. It can be quite daunting actually. It, it is it's quite frightening. I think women um, kind of like it but men feel not all men because some men my dad's retired and quite enjoys it but my father-in-law retired from you know being a construction manager and struggled actually not not having anything to do because it's right. gone from having this role being important having a job that you get up to every day and to, to nothing that's right yeah no i mean it is really daunting um i i sort of in the lead up to retirement, I brought this book on retirement, which sort of gave you a few ideas. Mm. I, I toyed with the idea of sort of learning to play golf. Um, I always knew that I would continue to run. Yes. But at that stage, um, yeah, although I was doing lots of these great adventure runs, mm. I didn't have any sort of local circle uh, of running friends. I was really sort of doing it for myself, if you like. Yeah. Um, I joined the University of the Third Age. Okay. If you've heard it. It's, no, it's I a, haven't. Sorry. It's an organisation for sort of semi-retired and retired people, um, and and you have regular meetings. You have speakers, and you also have interest groups. Okay. And, That's um, a good idea. I I joined it, and shortly after I joined it, um, a new interest group was formed, which was called Life Writing where you actually, yeah, people who've retired can write about their life and we can share each other's stories. Um, I'd always enjoyed writing. I, I, obviously, as a scientist, I'd written yes. lots of scientific papers and books and things like that. Um, but that scientific writing is very different. Um, 
I written the occasional magazine article for my running adventures. Okay. Um, and whenever I'd come home from one, I'd always sort of write a few stories about it down. But they were just sort of bits and pieces. Mm. Um, so I joined this life writing group and they sort of, well, what, you know, you've got a great story to tell, why don't you put it into a book? Definitely. So I started to put it all together and, and started to write um, Running Hot and Cold and we would meet, this group would meet once a month and we would re read out passages of what, <coughs> of what we'd written. Mm. And people were obviously enjoying what I'd written, so definitely. Eventually, um, I've, I I finished um, what I wanted to say. Um, th then there was the question of yeah, where to publish. Um, I went to a seminar in London, which was organised by the U3A, which sort of compared finding a publisher to yeah. um, self-publication. Um, I thought I'd try and find a, a publisher first, and, and I found um, Bitch Publishing, which are actually based in Sussex. Oh, okay. Uh, which is where I was from. So, it, um, yeah, it felt right. Um, so it, it felt right. Um, and, and so I, I wrote to them initially, just with an outline of what I'd written, and they said, well, let's have a look at it. Mm. And so I sent it to them, and um, they were sufficiently keen to say, we'll, we'll give it a go as an e-book. Mm. Um, so it went off as an e-book um, and sold very well. Um, they were really, really pleased. So then, okay, we'll put it into paperback. It mm. came out in paperback. Um, it did really, really well. And in 2016, um, it won the Silver Award at the Running Awards in London. So I went to a ceremony. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. And got this Silver Award for running book. And of course, Pitch Publishing were um, delighted that it had Over gone so well. Yes. So then, you know, any chance you could write another one? Because yes. obviously my journeys were continuing. Of course. Um, um, and people would want to follow on book, uh, I'd imagine. Yes, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it was left, you know, it, it was left up in the air. I was still running. I still had ambitions to run further. Um, uh, and so they asked me if I could write another book, and so I wrote, Can We Run With Your Grandfather? How did you come of that title? Ah, oh, there's a story behind <laughs> Neither would be. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to ask. But it is, it's a lovely story. Um, in 2005, I, I did a series of runs around Sri Lanka. Yes. Um, Travelling, doing a run, doing travelling, doing some sightseeing, mm. moving on. Um, just a couple of weeks before we set out to do the run in Sri Lanka, um, on Boxing Day 2004, they had that dreadful tsunami. Yes. And thousands of people lost their lives. Yeah. And initially we thought, well, that, yeah, we can't just go there and run races. You know, it's no. just not appropriate. But that's the last thing the people there wanted. They wanted it to go ahead. Yeah. And they didn't want people to turn their back on the country. Yeah. So we went out and it, it was a very, very emotional trip. Um, obviously there was a lot of sort of suffering around. Um, we ran, we were, the organisers of the race took a, lots of aid out mm. and as runners we were asked just to take the minimum we needed to run. Yes. Um, and to sort of take lots of books, crayons, clothing, whatever. Oh. Um, for the children so it was all it was all a very emotional time 
Um, now one of the stages was a half marathon, that's 13 miles. And the first six and a half miles were entirely uphill, up this oh, mountainside. And this road is sort of wound backwards and forwards up this mountainside, which was covered in tea plantations. So there were ladies there picking tea and throwing it into the sack <laughs> on their back. Like, Good morning, you know, wow. you'd run below them, then you'd run above them. Yeah. Um, but I knew when I got to the top of the hill, um, that the next six and a half miles would be down the other side yeah. of this mountain, so that was down. So that was good. So when I got to the top of the hill, um, there were six just beautiful children, all sort of multicoloured clothes, standing oh. on the summit of the hill. Oh. And as I got there, they were sort of, I, I guess, sort of age between seven and eleven, something like that. But as I got to the top of the hill, um, one of them said, can we run with you, Grandfather? Oh, uh, that's I, amazing. I said, of course you can. And I, they squabbled a little bit about who was going to hold my hand. And we started to run down this hill. Take it in turns. And we started <laughs> to sing, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread man. And every time we got round a new bend on this downhill, there were more children. Oh, and wow. so they were, they just joined in. Uh, and, and it's still... By the time I got down to the first village where most of them were mm. from, you had about 40 children. Oh, and wow. at a time when the country was suffering, you know, yeah. and to, to run with all those children and hear them singing and, and laughing. And having a bit of happiness and um, a bit of... It, it was just absolutely and magical. And you, you created that. Yeah, I mean, it was that just... That must have been... I can't imagine how that must have felt. Oh, it's... So proud. I mean, if, if you said to me, can you pick one moment from your whole running career that really stands out, that would be that it. That would be it. That would be it. Yeah. It was just... I think it would for me, when it's children and you've had de devastation like that here. That's right, yeah. And they're so humble and we, you know, in England, I think we, we're so lucky, we're so blessed. We don't realise it. You don't realise it. And then when all. you go somewhere like that and you see how they're still happy, you know, they don't really moan. No. To just be happy. Well, to... this is one of the things yeah. I get from travelling so widely. Yeah. You, know, you travel to villages with no water, no electricity, mm. um, really basic places, and, and yet yeah. everyone's so happy. and. It's funny, isn't it? And yeah. yet, you know, you get people that are, are moaning and, well, you know, I think we're all guilty of it to a certain extent. We all get caught up in, oh, you know, I want this or I want that or I haven't got this. And, you know, I think until you see what you've experienced and, you know, if you've had some trauma, you know, certainly for myself, there was a, a life-changing incident for myself. I wasn't abroad or anything, but it does make you become more humble, see other people and think and, I am and, really well, grateful actually I'm in England and you you realise just how lucky yeah. you are when you see what other people have to put up yeah, with just massively. in their daily lives. Yeah. Um, and you hear of people moaning, you think, Oh, you know, when you go home there's gonna be food on your table. Yeah. You will get from A to B. Yeah. You know. Um some of these children and countries don't have that. They have to travel no. miles for water. Well that's right. Yeah, yeah, and you just don't see it. We're kind of ignorant to it, I think, sometimes a little bit, aren't we? So that must have just been an incredible moment. Yeah, it was it was an absolutely magical moment. And that's yeah. how the title became Can We so Run With You, Grandfather? Yes, I mean, yeah. yes. He held on to that. That's lovely. Yes, indeed. I should never forget that. So um, 
obviously that book has been successful as as the as yes, Hot and Cold. Yes, it, it was released at the end of last year, so okay. it seems to be doing very well. And, yeah. and, and that actually includes the Antarctica Adventures yes. as well. So, so, and you can buy both of these books on the normal sort of yeah, you can Amazon. Get them on Amazon bookshops. Yes, yeah. So we've got Running Hot and Cold, and Can We Run with You, Grandfather? That's so if correct. you're interested please go and buy them because you won't be disappointed on the read. They are fantastic journeys um, filled with brilliant stories like what we're talking about now. So for people that are listening um, at a crossroads, you know, we see people running all, all, you know, all day, every day, you know, you're driving along, you see people running and it might be that you just haven't got the motivation or you want to get out there and exercise. What advice would you give to people to sort of start running? Like for myself, I'm a sporty person. I do martial arts, but I've never done long distance running because okay. I'm not good at it. Uh, what would you advise to people where to if start? If someone had never done any running before, I, I don't think you can beat um, the Couch to 5K programme. Now, this is an NHS programme. Okay. Um, in Redditch, we're lucky because um, the council have got very much involved in Couch to 5K, so we have sessions going on Brilliant. all over the place at different times of the day, on different days of the week. Um, if you're a person who, who likes their own company, running their own company, there's a Couch to 5K app you can follow on your phone. Oh, um, so that will actually tell you. And you start on, on week one, um, you're running for no more than 60 seconds and then you have a walk break, and then you do another 60 seconds. Um, so it's, uh, it's not too difficult no, not for at people all. to start. Yeah, you because just... when you think, oh, marathon runners and things, you think That's it, it right. sounds daunting, but it and, isn't. And it's amazing how quickly you know, people who struggle sometimes on week one just to do the 60 seconds, and then it's a nine-week programme, and at the end of the nine weeks... Um, the idea is that you do a five kilometer run, which is just over three miles. Brilliant. And it's, it, it is amazing. And um, it has transformed so many people's lives, yeah. I know, around in Redditch. Um, and of course, we also have the weekly park run. Yes, um, do you run that weekly park run? I do, yeah. You do, yes. I, I'm, I'm an addict of park So run. when's that? It's on Saturday, every Saturday at 9 a.m. And where? Um, it's a, yes, it's at Arrow Valley Lake. So by, if you meet in the car park opposite the, the countryside centre, yeah, you'll see lots of people there. Park Run is a worldwide phenomenon now. Okay. Um, uh, it's free and it happens every week. All, all you need to do is to go to the Park Run website, register, print your own barcode, mm. and take that along with you. That's all you need to do. Mm. Um, and I guess you. It's not just from the exercising, but you're actually getting out. But you, you know, you've met so many people and it's, formed lots of uh, friendships. So there's that I benefit. First, when I first moved to Redditch, when, when I was working at the university, I would run at the university with my work colleagues. In Birmingham. So I didn't know many people around in Redditch. So mm. when I left the university, came to Redditch, I didn't really know many people to run with. Mm. But very soon after that, the first park run started. It was in 2012, in the Redditch one started. Yes. Um, and I joined that. And I mean, since then, I've just made countless. I, I would. I, I just don't know how many friends I've made through running. Mm. And um, 
And it's just lovely to see people completely transform their lives just oh, yes. through the simple art of running. And you don't have to run all the way. You can walk it if you, if so you want no to. So there's no pressure with it. There's no pressure yeah. at all. You and there's can people walk there it. to help. People take their children in buggies. You can push the buggy oh, around. You can take the dog along. Um, oh, I love it. The so, dog can exercise as well. Yeah. That's, and a, even that's brilliant. People who simply can't do three, you know, three mm. miles can volunteer. It's a community event. So in order for it to happen, you need people to marshal, to tell people which way to go. Um, to scan the barcodes at the end. So even if you're not so, able to run... So even if you're not able to yeah. run, there are several members of the Redditch community who've never run a park run, but who are there week after week, and yeah, the whole thing couldn't happen with, without them. Oh, that's um, brilliant. So it's a fantastic community event, and it mm. just covers all ages. You get small children up to, yeah. Older people. people, even older people, even older than me. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, it's like we were talking about, obviously, Lisa, my dear friend, yes. and the fact that she never did sports, was <clears throat> never sporty when we were kids, and the journey that she's embarked upon with running now. Yeah. You know, that's obviously how I know of you. She's sort of, you that's know, right. Well, well, Lisa is actually one of my Couch to 5K yeah. recruits a couple of years ago, so she actually went through the Couch to 5K programme with me. And of course, since then, yeah, she, she, she does lots of park runs. Well, she does. She, she's she's flying, and I think her husband's doing it as well. Now, That's right. Yes, yes. And yeah. their children, but no, I'm I'm very proud of Lisa. So yeah. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, aside from the running and all of the different cultures and places that you know and phenomenal experiences that you've done and people that you've helped. What's your kind of other happy places that you find that makes you happy? So is there a place that you go to or is it there are any other hobbies that sort of, you know? Um, I, I think running sort of has slightly taken over my life. <laughs> <laughs> or, Not as that. I was sort of... Not striving just, for that a, yeah. a question, I thought not, this not is going to be answered. Not just simply, yeah, the actual act of. I mean, I love running for myself, yes. for my own mental well-being. If if I'm going through a period of anxiety, mm. you're sitting indoors, you've got all these thoughts bombing around in your yeah. head. You're creating problems that don't even exist. We're so um, hard on ourselves, aren't yeah. we? And yet, if I go out and run a couple of laps around the lake, I, I suddenly get this greater clarity of thought. Um, so obviously running for myself helps me. I also love the run leading and introducing new people to running, encouraging them, whatever level they're at. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you have to stop and walk every few metres. You're yeah. out there, you're, you're doing it. So I've got that. I've got my talks, which yeah. I'll go around. Um, I've done talks, as I said, to sort of primary schools, um, Colleges, lot, lots of sort of adult groups, mm -hmm. um, WIs, Rotary Clubs, um, even to, I uh, gave a talk at Hill Grange Prison. Oh, wow, brilliant. Um, to, to a sort of audience of the prisoners there. So, you know, they give me, yeah. I, I love my running talks. Um, and I, that must be rewarding when you've, 
you know, seeing somebody start and then you're giving talks to people and helping people, that must, you know, be really liberating. Absolutely, because that helps your mental well-being as well. It's not just the act of running helps. It's not it, just for yourself, is it? It's when just you're helping other people. Yeah, you know, I've just had a wonderful life through running mm. and it would be great if I can encourage other people to do it and yeah if they have a, a fraction of some of the experiences that I've had and you can pass that off through my life you know, and, you and I've just seen people literally being transformed you know mm. um, and it, it's just lovely to see and then of course I've got the writing and Yes. So it's so really. <laughs> you're you're quite a busy man, and those are but, the things that make you tick. Yes. And, yeah. and keep you humbled. So, um, you are a grandfather. I am indeed. Yeah. I have two granddaughters. Do so. they run? Um. Yeah. Holly's the older one. She's okay. twelve now. She she. I've done quite a few runs with Holly, and done a few park runs with her, and a few nighttime runs with her. She she's got to an age now where she like you, prefers the sort of short sprinty runs rather yeah. than the long distance. Yeah. So I think a sort of interest in, in park run it is waning a little. Though. She's going on holiday soon to America. And, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, she's going to do a park run over there in oh, San Francisco. Oh, yeah. So, so that, that'd be nice. And Josie is six. She's my, my daughter's daughter. She lives down in Sussex. Yes. So I don't get to see her quite so much. So does Holly live? Up in the Midlands, then. Holly lives in Telford, so okay, not, about an hour. Yeah. We're not too far away yeah. at all. So oh, that's quite good then. Yeah, so not too yeah. far away. So yes, so uh, and the same, Josie. We, if we go to the park, she always wants to run with Granddad. So yeah, we just do a little run around. Yeah, and you're an inspiration uh, to your family and, and as well. Yeah, you know. as the same, my daughter has never been into running, and then suddenly in in you know. Really, since the end of last year, her husband took it up and got enormous benefits from it. Yeah. Um, and it's just sort of started Angela off trying it, and she did couch to 5K on her own using the app. Yeah. Um, got to 5K, and then last weekend she completed her first 10K, and she's entered, you know, another 10K. And she's saying the same, you know, it's just... Not just the physical benefits, but, um, but the mental. But, but it's the mental well-being yeah. benefits. Because we're so caught up in a fast-paced society, sometimes you need that. Oh, right. absolutely. Yeah. Particularly these days. You know, yeah. I think when I was young, life was at a much slower pace, but these days yeah. everything's You've seen a lot past. of change then. Yeah. 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 And we rely so much on you know, other quick fixes other than exercise. You know, when we find our minds, you know becoming condensed with, you know, anxiety thoughts or I've got to do this or I've got to do that. You find the quick fixes of either going shopping or social media. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we get into that habit when it where really it's not healthy. No. Um, and it's not good for your brain. It's actually no. making the situation worse. But we, we, we're, we're so, you know, caught up with, with a digital age and, and what's around us that you don't think of just going That's out right. for a simple run. Oh, I just love the natural world. I, I never listen to music when I'm out. Um, I just love listening the to sounds the... sounds of the birds. The birds, the sounds of nature, even the silence of nature. You know, sometimes you can't beat it, I can ran you? in the Australian outback and the silence is deafening. 
I've been actually to yeah. Australia. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, it's just, it's just, I, I just love listening. You know, you run in different countries, you've got completely different bird song. Yeah. Um, in the background, it's just lovely to. Yeah, because it's not just obviously the running aspect, it's the magic and the beauty that's out there in the world that we live in. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I live in, in a rural part of, of Redditch now, I live in Hunt End. I grew up in Lodge Park, obviously Redditch is quite green, but I'm right next to a, a nature conservation area. Right. And I just think, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going out for half an hour. And I'll oh, just, absolutely. I'll go walking oh, all around the fields and seeing the cows and the wild rabbits and listening to the birds. And I'll just sit no, in, in, the, in the nature yeah. conservation area. And I had a deer come up once. It was just... A, Amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that, that, that's just fantastic. That's what I, I love. Yeah, I live near the Ipsley Alders Nature Reserve, and if I'm indoors and feeling a bit agitated, yeah, I'll just go for a walk around. Get there. outdoors, uh, and it, it's just, yeah, it's you don't realize when it's just on your doorstep, no. but it's so easy to just be, I'll oh, pick up my phone and <clears> scroll through Facebook, that's right. scroll See what through. emails have come in. Yeah, it's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy. So, yeah, it's not just obviously about running and that, it's about experiencing life, yeah, and the natural and world, and the natural world, yeah, brilliant. So, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Is there anything else, or any? I'll tell you what, actually, there is. When I started reading the beginning of this book, ah. there was a particular story that oh. gripped me, <laughs> which was about the herd of elephants. That's Would you mind just sharing that with us, please? Because I, I found I, that fascinating. My heart was like, wow, wow. that must have been <laughs> scary. <laughs> it, it was. It, yeah. Um, yeah, if the children in Sri Lanka was the loveliest moment of my running career, this was the scariest. Yes! Although it wasn't actually during the race that it happened. I'd gone to um, South Africa to, to run a half marathon in, in a game reserve. Yeah. So um, I'd actually taken Angela with me. She wasn't running a t course at all at the time, but she's, mm. she's a, a massive wildlife enthusiast and she works for a, an, you know, so a, she a charity now to support wildlife. Um, and we had a super safari holiday. Um, but a couple of days before the race, um, a, a group of runners, um, we went out on what was called a bushwalk. Okay. Um, to sort of look at animal footprints and um, you know, some of the flora, some of the plants, etc. Uh, and we very rapidly found some elephant footprints and you could see which way they're moving because the uh, front part of the foot's rounded and the back yep. part's flat. Yeah. So we could see which way the elephants were walking. Um, and there was also, it was quite a warm and windy day mm. and there was urine in some of these footprints. So we knew they were fairly fresh ones because that mm. would have evaporated very quickly. In the heat, yeah. Anyway, they went down into this sort of steep-sided wooded ravine. So we went part way down the ravine um, and climbed onto this big rock, which is called the Lookout, mm. to see if we could... Um, see where the elephants had gone and it, you look right down to the river right down the bottom and then there's a huge climb up the other side of the mm. ravine we couldn't see the elephants anywhere and so we it was time to go back for dinner so we sort of turned tail and started to climb back out the ravine mm. um to return to our lodging um when the elephants came up from above us there were six of them wow 
yeah. initially quite naively I thought oh wow yeah we found the elephants yeah <laughs> very naively and then I yeah. realised oh actually they're not very pleased to see us um, so that they started to chase us really stampede um, yeah I mean it was so we obviously turned tail and ran down as fast as we could down into this ravine now luckily because it was quite steep yeah that slowed them down I think if they'd mm. been chasing us on the flat they may have caught us. Yeah. I was towards the back. I just had, we had a couple of rangers with us. Um, Sander was the ranger behind me. And, and he, he did carry a, a rifle, which mm -hmm. he'd said before the start that he'd never had to use in six years. Yeah. Anyway, we were running and um, Angela luckily hadn't actually come on this bushwalk because she'd been unwell. And we called the doctor to come and see us. So she was back in our cabin, which was a mile away. Yeah. But the elephants made so much noise, she thought they were actually outside her door. Oh, they were really? so noisy. There was sort of this roaring and trumpeting. <laughs> gosh. I bet your heart was pounding. Oh, gosh. I mean, you, yeah, you were just full of adrenaline, really. Yeah. So as I ran, I slipped on a rock and fell over. Right. Um, as I looked back, I, I could just see this wall of elephants, really, just sort of ears and tusks and trunks. Oh, my word. And the most incredible noise. Um, and as I picked myself up to carry on, um, Sander behind me fired his rifle into the air and he, he had to fire two shots into the air, but that was enough. To scare them. To, to deter them and they decided to call the chase off. But they, they were literally within 20 yards of us. Gosh. Um, so we had to walk right down to the bottom, cross the river and <laughs> clamber up the other yeah. side yeah. and wait to be rescued. So, yeah, I mean, at the time, you're just so pumped with adrenaline that all you're doing is just running for your life. Yes. Um, it's not until we eventually got back and I started to talk to Andrew about what happened and then suddenly all the emotions pour out yeah. and you, you suddenly realise just how lucky you how are. lucky we'd all been because yeah. yeah. None of us had been hurt at all and you know, luckily the uh, none of the elephants were hurt because that would have been horrible if Yes, yeah, it would have been. That, do that do you think been. do you think um they reacted that way because they were shocked to see you or there was poachers or they got young with them? Um, they, they didn't have any real young with them. Um, I don't know that they, um, I think, it, yeah, that they, they are sort of territorial and mm. we were in, in, in their, their territory, we in their home. Thinking, what are you lot doing here? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was, it was a, yeah, a very scary moment at the time and, you know, it, but you lived to tell the tale. I lived to tell, and two days later, the race went ahead, and they kept the elephants away from us, and we did, and it was beautiful because we were running. Did along. it make you more nervous though after that incident, or did oh, you feel I, safe? Um, uh, the the day after the incident, I was quite anxious yeah. about it all, but on the race day itself, for some reason, this sort of calm came over me. Yeah. It'll be all right. And it, was, it was just beautiful because you're running with giraffe and zebra. Oh, and, really? Uh, and even rhino, you know, sort of wow. 50 yards away from you. Um, uh, it's just beautiful to run in the setting like that. Mm. Did you, do you manage to take, I mean, because obviously you're running a lot of the time, but do you manage to take any photos and capture those moments 
or is it just I, that I you do, keep it in your mind? When I do these runs, I, I usually take a small camera with yeah. me and try and take a few photos during the run. Obviously, yeah. when the elephants were chasing us, I didn't stop. No, <laughs> no I, wouldn't I, didn't have, stop. I wouldn't have been getting my camera out. No, I didn't think, oh, hang on, I'll just get Hold on a minute, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so it kind of springs to mind. But yeah, no, I, yeah. I do usually take um, some pictures during the runs. Yeah, wow. Is there any other sort of um, scary moments that you've had? I think, I think that was the only really scary, yeah. scary moment. I've been, there been other sort of mind-blowing moments. I'm running on the um, polar ice cap in Greenland, you know, which is as wow. far as you can see, it's just white, and you're running on ice, so you have to wear spikes on your shoes. Right. Just, yeah, it's just otherworldly and you just say, well, uh, yeah. So what's been your latest? Because you've not long come back from... Yeah, I've just come back from Easter Island. I did a half marathon on Easter Island. Okay. Which which is a tiny island. It's about a third the size of the Isle of Wight. Okay, wow. It's in the middle of the South Pacific. Oh. And it's 2,000 miles from anywhere, so it's, yeah, really isolated but it's got all these fantastic Maui I don't know if Maui statues yeah yeah it's in the big heads yeah um it's got you know dozens hundreds of these dotted all over the island that you know previous inhabitants had made as sort of ceremonial well mainly for people you know elders who had died yeah and they would carve out from the volcano it's a volcanic island so they Mm. would carve out from the volcanic rock yeah, so, you um, see so that was just yeah, yeah, just to go somewhere like that was just awesome and to run around there. Mm. Um, there's not so much wildlife there. There were a lot of wild horses. So you, oh yeah. really? So I you actually encounter horses on the run and because they can charge you, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. I no. um <laughs> I went horse riding as a child and my friend uh, Maxine she owns her own horses so I'm I'm very familiar with them. But I decided to walk Snowdonia um, last year. So amongst my walking travels, luckily I live near the countryside, so I go walking all through the countryside and the fields. And I came down quite a steep hill, climbed over um, to walk down onto the lane. And this horse come charging. I, I heard him before I saw him. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I've never had one charge me before. Um, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> and the only thing that I could do was, was shout and wave my arms, and I thought, he's not going to stop. But he did at the last minute. He avoided me at the last minute, but he was not happy I was in his field. No. But cows can do the same. Yes, I know. Yeah. yeah. So I learned a lot on the walks. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> not quite the same as elephants, though, Doug. No, no. No, my story's it, it, not it, quite the same as yours, but yeah, it's quite, it is quite frightening, yeah. isn't well, it? Well, our mutual friend Lisa is um, very concerned by cattle on the route. Oh, Yeah. Because last week we, we did a run together in, in Ipsley Orders Nature yeah. Reserve. And I don't yeah. know if you know, they've got some long-haired cattle there. Yeah. They look really fearsome because they've got huge horns. Um, but they're actually very, very docile. And yes, they are, they, aren't they? They wouldn't be allowed there if they weren't. But, but no, yes, it's no. more the cows that um, have got their young with them. Yes, that, that's yeah. where you need. If they've got their young with them, I wouldn't in a field with them no well i i experienced that my, my yeah. husband and my daughter we went walking through the field uh and mark was like oh we'll go walking through this field and i was like you know you just get that gut feeling 
And I was like, I don't know, you know, because there's loads of cows and they've got young with them. He's like, oh, they're, they do so, they're fine. But they did follow us. Yeah. And I was obviously, I'd got my, my, my daughter with me, who was That's five right. at the time, and they were right behind us. And I was very, very nervous. Yeah. They didn't do anything, but they say that people walking with dogs, um, they don't like dogs, do they? No, they don't. And no. they, they can, no. yeah, so you have to be, be careful. Yes, you do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all the experience, it's great. That's right, yeah. So, um, to end, I ask most people, um, sort of, um, what your favourite quote is, um, is there a favourite mantra or a phrase that you have that you always like to share with people? Uh, there's a quote I've finished most of my talks with from T.S. Eliot. Uh, I don't know if I can remember it word for word. But, okay. But, it, it, um, but it's something like, only people willing to push themselves far beyond their mm. comfort zone can actually discover just yeah, how far you can go. Mm. It, it applies a lot to me um, before I've done you know, a lot of these races I, I really lack self-belief and sometimes when I take on these challenges and these races they, they scare me. Mm. Um, the thought you still of doing get it, nervous? I, I still, yeah, I still get nervous yeah. at, at the prospect of it but I know that if I do it and achieve it at the end of the day. The hardest race I ever did was Marathon de Saab, which was um, mm. a six-day race across the Sahara Desert. Whew. And that was 140 miles. Um, but when you wow. get to the end of it and you cross the finish line and they put the medal around your neck, yeah, and you think, yeah, wow, <laughs> I'm pretty good. I've just good. done yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a big you, pat on the back. You don't dream that you're, yeah, none of us can discover how good we are personally unless you push yourself yeah. beyond your, your limits. And we are all capable. It's all it's, all in, it's within us we're all. We're probably isn't all it? capable of much more than we actually achieve. Yeah. Uh, definitely. And so I think, yeah, I mean one of my mantras is don't be afraid to scare yourself. Love it. Um, because yeah, I've scared myself a few times and I've come out the other end and you think, Wow it was worth I it. actually did that. Yeah. yeah. So that, that there's no better feeling than, than self achievement I think and when you feel that reward of thinking oh, I did that um, I never thought I was capable but I actually am and you know you discover who you are then absolutely yes yeah yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're the demons that are in your in your mind and that you fight with yourself yes all the self-doubts and lack of belief you become friends with your own mind you in a way it, don't yeah. you that's yeah, right. Definitely. So are you ready to hang up your running shoes or is there still more adventures ahead? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I, I, I think we all know that. What's, you, what's your next venture then? Have you, uh, you've already got something planned. Yes, I've got... I, I, I'm doing... Um, in September this year, I'm doing um, four races in four days in the Azores off the Portuguese coast. Wow. Um, and... Then in October, I'm going to run another full marathon. I haven't done a full marathon for a, since 2012. But okay. I'm going to do a, one in Venice. Um, a group of us are going to Venice to run the Venice Marathon. Oh, 
Oh, wow. And then in November, I'm going to Cyprus to do another. <laughs> another I thought it was just going to be one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the rest of this year. Okay. And of course, I'm already thinking about next of year. Of course, you are. Um, I'd like to run in the Himalayas. <gasps> Don't. Uh, I would. It's a. It's a place I would. I've dream. I'd dream to go. Yeah. 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 Have you ever seen Seven Years in Tibet with Brad Pitt? No, no. Watch it. Yeah. I highly recommend it. It's not running, it's walking. Yes. Um, it's, it's a, when I say Brad Pitt, it's not his typical film. It's an early film with Brad Pitt. Right. But it's all about, um, it's a true story about yeah. um, how um, this Austrian guy befriends the Dalai Lama and how he discovers who he is through walking yeah. and becomes prisoner of war and he makes several attempts to escape. He leaves his pregnant wife behind. He's quite a selfish person at the start okay. but it's how he learns compassion for others and it's a true story and it's yeah. all set in the himalayas it's his ultimate oh, really? dream and it's a fascinating film i always feel really humbled and think yeah uh, it's yeah. somewhere i'd love to I go i did go i did a series of runs around china and we did have a couple of runs in the sort of foothills of tibet on mm. the chinese side of the yeah. himalayas so yeah it is a beautiful place yeah i highly recommend the film highly um Thank you so much for coming on. Not at um, all, loved it, loved the chat. I know, it's been brilliant, but you know sometimes we've never met before, no. um, but it instantly it feels natural, positive, you know, you're, you're an inspiration for what you've achieved and for others. Um, you're an unstoppable force of nature, <laughs> that's the best way to describe you. Um, you must be proud of yourself, but obviously family and other people, so um, keep doing what you're doing, Doug. I should keep going as long as my little legs will carry me. <laughs> yes. Um, I think your positivity is, is contagious and um, I think everybody loves you for it. So, well done. And oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Emily.